Hello and welcome, sisters. I am so honored to be here with you. I'm Kirsten Kirschbaum coming to you from Hawaii and here with my best friend, Danielle. Hello, friends. Good to be back with you on this podcast, and I'm here in San Diego. So we, if you've been following us for a while, you know we love to have conversations as sisters and as best friends with, with each other and with all of you, and we love to chat about what's on our heart and the truth about what we're feeling and what the Spirit is prompting us to think about. And over the last probably month or so. I mean, I've always been interested in women in the gospel, sure, but I have just felt this outpouring of curiosity and, you know, desire to know more about the women in the gospel. Um, I believe this comes from a lot of things, one being our prophets who has encouraged the women to study more about the priesthood and about our, you know, divine heritage and all of those things. I, I've been really inspired by that. And so I've I purchased a few books over the years and, and Danielle has as well. And we just love to talk about those things. So that's what we want to share with each of you today. And really for the next, how long are we going to do this, Danielle? We're going to talk about all the women for the next... <laughs> We're just going to start a new series because, you know, podcasts and like episodes on, you know, shows, we have series. So we're on series two of our podcast and series two is all about women in the gospel. We feel so drawn to um, recognize our own divine um, feminine, you know, gifts as well as cleanse the earth from the negativity that's been put upon women from Satan and including um, tr traditions and culture and, and society and our own things that we've taken on about women and w the worth of women. And so women in the gospel, I feel like it's going to be such a great way that we can uh, bring that stuff to light that we think as well and cleanse it through the atonement with the savior and just become more powerful women in the priesthood. Wow. I'm excited. <laughs> so I think maybe what I'd like to do is share with you some of the studies and some of the work that um, we've been doing over the last few months. And really for me and Danielle as well, probably the last couple of years, there's been a few books that have really guided you know, my learning about this. And so if you guys want to pick up any of these books. Um, Danielle and I both have this book in our hands. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about um, a book called A Lineage of Grace, and it is by an author named Francine Rivers, and it's five stories of unlikely women who changed eternity. Now, it's written like a historical novel, right? And which I love because it really brings to life the character and emotion and the story of the women. And it helps me to remember the stories. Um, I love to open my Bible and, you know, turn to Ruth and Esther and, you know, read their stories as well. And, and, I, and I continue to do that. And then when I can read it in like a historical novel type of a way, then it helps my brain just associate more with the emotion and the feelings and the stories of these women so that I can share them with all of you. And I share them with people that I come in contact with. And it, it brings this like extra little spark of interest, right? 
Yeah, I totally agree. And, and she's done a lot of research within the Jewish culture to bring in the story to life within that context. And so I really love that Francine Rivers does that. And I just have a fun little note about if you guys have ever read, you probably a lot of you had, she's amazing writer, but she used to be a romance novelist. And then she converted in, in, into Christ. She says um, in her, she kind of tells her story in some of her books. And so now she'll only write um, books of Christianity and, and she is a phenomenal writer. So it's like, we're like, thank you God for bringing her to this side. So, cause she has a lot of good books, but this is definitely one of my favorites of hers. Yeah. It really... And I'll just say the name, a lineage of grace by Francine rivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. One of my favorite things about this book is how there's a few themes that I notice. Number one, she's telling the story of the lineage of Jesus Christ. So she actually is showing, you know, from a godlike perspective over the course of, you know, hundreds of years, maybe, I don't even know, it might even be like a thousand years or something. Uh, it starts out with Tamar and, and we'll go into those specific stories in, in coming episodes, but it shows the way that God provided the lineage of Christ. Like it was, it was directed and it was planned. And the thing that was the most amazing to me about these stories is showing how some of these women were very unlikely women. Like, you know, if, if we were looking at them today in our church or in our tradition, we may not see this particular woman as somebody who would have been, you know, maybe the General Relief Society president or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so for me, what it did is it, it gave me just a, a greater understanding of the mind of God and how anything is possible with God. God does not, you know, he's no respecter of persons. And it's like, however is best for him to bring more souls unto him. That's what he's going to do. And I just, I just really love that. I think it relates to all of us as women too, who feel unworthy, probably a lot. We do it. We cannot help but compare ourselves. Like I've honestly kind of tried to stop stopping comparing myself <laughs> because it's just, it's just what we do. It's just, we're taught from a very young age, we compare. And now what I've started to do is, is to bring more love and curiosity and appreciation for other women in my life. But, but my first instinct usually is to compare. Like we just kind of look at like, Oh, where am I compared to how she's doing? And it's, it's a practice, you know, for us to stop doing that. But, um, what I mean is, we don't need to compare ourselves, our righteousness, you know, or our commandment keeping and, and judge our place uh, in God's heart based on where we are at in our lives. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just, everybody has such an individual journey. There are so many things like as I've been, you know, really focusing on what the prophet said, which is hearing our savior. Right. And so as I've been doing that, there's little things that are coming up for me that happened to me when I was a child or that I did as a child, you know, whatever, or even as a young adult. And I'm like, and I judge myself harshly for it. But then you're like, wow, it was actually part of my learning journey. And so I love that about, you know, what we're going to study. And if you guys, you know, you want to get the books and read along with this, that'd be awesome. But you could also just listen to the summary that we're going to talk about whatever, wherever you're at in your life. And remember that it is just, it's perfect. Whatever level you want to dive in is perfect. Um, but I, like you said, I loved about the stories. They're just 
ordinary, wonderful women that also had mistakes and also had stresses. And oh my gosh, I just, I love it. And some of the other books we're going to look at is the, uh, what are they called? The standard of truth, the, um, the ones of the pioneers. So we'll go into some stories at some point in the series of the women of the pioneer time, which is just phenomenal too. And I know we have another special one we're going to talk about that Kirsten and I have both purchased. So maybe you want to introduce another book we're going to talk about too, just for it to get everybody excited when you're ready. (laughs) Is this the gospel Mm -hmm. of the beloved? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's go there. Well, let me just say that in my journey of wanting to understand more about women, in the gospel and women's relationship to God and the priesthood to heavenly father and heavenly mother to all the questions, right? These are the questions that are on my heart right now. So I have, you know, I'll I'll paint the picture for you. I've wrestled with my own tradition, my own fear, my own everything that goes along with asking these deep questions, but I have felt guided. I have felt like the prophet has asked us to kind of go here. You know, he's kind of like sprinkling little truths to us saying, hey, go over this way, you know, start learning. So as I have wanted to start learning, of course, I've, I've Googled it. I've done everything. I'm like, okay, well, let's open this up. And I have felt a little bit of fear um, because I think that, that, that Satan does a really good job at really bringing in a lot of weird stuff, you know, that can be very detracting. And so as I think about, you know, introducing this to you, what I want to do is just always invite you to go here with the spirit and, and don't say, oh, you know, like, oh, it has to be this way or it has to be that way. Like just be open to learning. And there was a scripture that actually came to my mind this morning uh, that I wanted to share with you. I'll pull it up here real quick. Um, It's, it's a story of, Joseph Smith, when he was, you know, in the very beginning, he's translating the Bible. He's um, he's translating the Book of Mormon, and he's um, he's translating the Bible more correctly, right? Like there's certain passages that maybe lost some of their truth or meaning, and he is actually he asks the Lord, "Should I translate um, the Apocrypha?" So, and Danielle, maybe you could explain better what, what is the Apocrypha? Like, what are these, uh, I'm going to put them in quotes, like, quote, other scriptures, right? Where do they come from? Why aren't they in the Bible as, as canonized scripture? Like, yeah, maybe yeah. start. Yeah, we, and there's a whole bunch of Apocrypha, so I'll speak on a, on a general term, but they actually were in the Bible. Um, and they have um, been, you know, by man taken out. However, they also, what Joseph Smith, what you're getting to, what he, um, the Lord says is um, they are, they are written by prophets. There's the Apocrypha of Enoch. There's, there's so many Apocryphas. And what the Lord has commanded Joseph Smith is basically saying that there are, there are a lot of truths in them. But there are also a lot of untruths. Is that what the one you're talking about? Yeah, so I found it. I'll, I'll, I yeah. want you to explain more of the Apocrypha, but okay. Dr. Covenants 91. So DNC 91 says in verse one, verily thus saith the Lord unto you concerning the Apocrypha. There are many things contained therein that are true, and it is mostly translated correctly. 
there are many things contained therein that are not true, which are interpolations by the hands of men. Verily I say unto you, that it is not needful that the Apocrypha should be translated. Therefore, whoso readeth it, let him understand, for the Spirit manifesteth truth. And whoso is enlightened by the Spirit shall obtain benefit therefrom. And whoso receiveth not by the Spirit cannot be benefited. Therefore, it is not needful that it should be translated. Amen. Yeah, that's good. So that kind of gives you the pretext of, I mean, even, but if you look at even the, I mean, the Bible wasn't, had a lot of things interpolated into it as well. So, um, but yeah, the Apocryphas are kind of, they're very interesting. I do have an entire book on all of the Apocryphas. Um, I, it's, it's next on my list to dive into. Um, but I love that, you know, the Lord just commands, just go through the spirit with it. And I have, I have read a lot of, um, stuff from Apocryphas as well as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it's pretty cool. I think they're phenomenal. A lot of them, a lot of times when I read that stuff, it puts a, a, a big deeper understanding to the scriptures for me. Um, the parts that do anyway. And I, I appreciate that. So yeah. 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 So for those of you who maybe weren't aware, because I mean, honestly, I didn't really know before. I don't know. I don't know when I became aware, but it, I had heard the word Dead Sea Scrolls, but I don't have a book on the Apocrypha. I didn't know. I haven't read much else, like just in a deeper, I know you love to study and that's, <laughs> that is your gift. I, I hadn't studied much. And so when I became aware of this book that I'm going to talk about, it really opened my eyes to like that there are other records and what the, the woman who introduced this to me, her name is Mandy Green and she was on a uh, podcast from a, a member of our church and she was just talking about different things that she's read and studied and gone to and she really opened my mind. So one of the books that she recommended is called The Gospel of the Beloved Companion and this is a book that, um, you know, if, if you believe where it came from and all that, you know, she, and, and she, she does this really good job. She says, you know, as members of the church, you think we would be more open to receiving scripture that had been hidden up in the ground. Like <laughs> this actually makes sense. Like we do believe in scripture that was hidden in the ground. And so that's where these, this particular gospel comes from is from a, a group uh, in the Languedoc, it, it, which is the South of France. Is that right? Um, yeah. So in the South of France, which is a very historically charged area, it would make sense that this document would come from this area once you kind of read into it. And it's a, it's a simple testimony and history of one of the beloved disciples of Jesus Christ, as we have many testimonies and histories of disciples of Jesus Christ, right? In the Bible, the gospel of the beloved companion is said to have come from Mary Magdalene herself. And it does a really wonderful job um, comparing the scriptures. Like, you know, we, so we read in the gospel of the beloved companion, we, we read her whole translated, you know, testimony. And then in the second part of the book, we read a comparison of every gospel. So Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, and it shows and compares the gospel of the beloved companion to these particular, uh, records from all of these different disciples. And I loved the way that it opened my mind to and appreciation for all of the apostles. And so that led me to 
really asking some pretty important questions like, well, Mary Magdalene is definitely an important part of the history of, you know, when Jesus Christ was on the earth. She was there. That is clear. She was the first person to see him as the resurrected Lord. You know, she's pretty significant, right? Um, And so I wanted to read her account. I just thought that would be important. You know, no matter what, what characteristic you think, whatever relationship she had, you know, maybe we'll get into that later, but um, it's important to read more um, experiences, like the more testimonials you can have. uh, It's so beautiful. And so that's one thing that I really read and it really opened my mind to even just comparing an understanding of the other accounts, even from Mark and from Matthew and Luke and all of them. I just really opened my eyes to what they meant and who they were and all of it. It's just incredible. Yeah, it is exciting. It's exciting to learn more about the life of Christ through all of these amazing people, right? His apostles, Mary Magdalene, and and then and then also this the book we were talking about in the beginning, the lineage of him, and how important it was that he came from the lineage of Judah, you know, from the 12 tribes of Israel and why these women were so chosen because they were of the full house of Judah and why Um, Judah had a specific blessing and a specific mission, just like the house of Ephraim has a specific blessing and a specific mission. And so you'll, we've been, you know, Kirsten, I've been talking about this for quite a few weeks. And finally, one day, it was a couple weeks ago. um, And we hadn't even talked and I just was like praying and I was like, oh my gosh, I just got this like enlightenment that was like, do a series on women of the gospel. Because I've been really focusing on my own divine worth, like feminine divine worth, not just as a, you know, you know, spiritual, you know, uh, child of God, but actually as a woman. And so it's been really important to me as I've been studying this stuff and realizing the worth that women have, the, the role that women have and the attributes that I specifically chose to become in the preexistence, this, this female energy. I specifically chose to come down as a, you know, female energy and, and live what the life of a female and heal and cleanse the earth from negativity that has been put upon females in my own family generation and probably all of ours as well. And it just, I've been, as I've been, again, my mind's been opening up to this because this beautifulness about us is so incredible. And the prophets recently, um, I think it was the prophet or maybe one of the apostles said, that I think it was, um, correct me um, who said this, but that basically if um, women, if the world loses the morality of women, it's gone, it's, it's the prophet, yeah, it's lost. Like, and, and it just, that struck me like, wow, we have to stand strong as women. We have to fortify each other. And women, um, I was telling Kirsten the other day that this really, I was like, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I'm scrolling Instagram. And the, all I saw was a um, news clip of someone from um, OUR, Our Rescue, who um, rescues children from sex trafficking. And they had arrested a perpetrator and, and it was a female. And I didn't know at first I was just like, wait, what? Like, and it was a female perpetrator upon child um, sex trafficking. And my heart sank that it was a woman. You see, you know, I see, I see their posts all the time, which I appreciate, like, and they um, are stopping most of the time, you guys, it's men. And you know, he's like, eh, eh, eh. you know, whatever. I do my own little like thing or con- 
conceptualizing the fact that it was a man, but this time it struck me that it was a woman. And I just, Oh, like it just was, that was a great win for Satan to get a woman to do that. And that is not an easy feat for him to do. And we have to stay strong. And I, so in that, so this is where I was at when, when I got this divine revelation to do a series on women in the gospel, because I mean, for you guys, hopefully, but it's for me, like, I want this strength. I want to learn from the strength of this lineage, our lineage in the Ephraim tribe, as well as, um, I mean, those of you who are listening probably have other lineages as well, the Judah tribe of Judah. And we have so much to do now that we are like really in the last days, as the prophet said, you've got a front row seat, you guys. I mean, can't be more clear than that, right? So, so what do we need to do in these last days to prepare Zion to prepare ourselves to be a Zion and then prepare Zion actually for Christ to um, reign with us. And so it's, it's a huge shift for all of us to be making. I know you guys that are listening are probably already feeling this because it's not just like obviously Kirsten and I, this is worldwide that this shift is happening among women and it's, it's awesome. And this is kind of a side note, but um, the press secretary um, of the pre- of president of our um, world, or not world, sorry, uh, the United States, I was watching her on an interview and I was just looking at her going, wow, what a strong woman to have, like to answer questions like that on the fly with the press, whether you have opinions on, you know, political side, it's not even about that. I was just admiring as a woman and I just saw her like, I admired that strength and we each have that. And I'm so excited to kind of dive into the women of the gospel, learn from those strengths and become those strengths because we are the women of the last days. We are. Yeah. We are it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. So there's a couple things that I, I was thinking about, you know, that we want to touch on and that is the traditions. Um, why we think the way we think about women. Where does it come from? What are those thoughts, you know, even in church or in our own families and even about ourselves, you know, um, I don't know. I imagine that many of you listening have a lot of different backgrounds and thoughts and stories about it. And so one of the books that I dove into also as I was wanting to learn more about this was, uh, there's actually two books and I don't have it in front of me. I wish I would have grabbed it because I want to give her proper credit, but I went, it was on, it was from Deseret book and it's called, you know, women and the priesthood. And there's one by Sherry Dew that was written first. And then there's a second one by another woman. And I, I didn't, I bought the second one. I don't know why there was really no reason. I just decided to buy the second one. And, uh, Anyway, it looks like Danielle's going to find it for me because <laughs> she's so good like that. Uh, anyway, uh, but I was reading about this, you know, women in the priesthood, and she does such an excellent job going through the history and the actual words from prophets, words from Jesus Christ himself, you know, the, the structure of priesthood. And here's what I want you to understand. There are two governing bodies of priesthood. Now in the uh, Bible, it was hierarchical. It was, uh, no, no, no. Oh gosh, I'm going to ruin it now. I don't, I don't, I feel like I need to go get my book so I can do this correctly. Um, It was done through the family. The priesthood was done through the family, like the father and the mother together were the priesthood in the home together. And when 
the church, you know, when Jesus Christ established a church on the earth and called apostles and all of that, that kind of um, changed well, it didn't change it. It didn't take away from the family priesthood, but what it did was it created a structural priesthood, meaning the church would be governed in this way. Um, and that's when, when we talk about the priesthood in the church, I think most of us think of the priesthood as the church. Like, and even sometimes, you know, some, someone might say from the pulpit, we'd like to thank the priesthood for the reverent manner in which they pass the sacrament, you know. And this woman, uh, Barbara Morgan Gardner is her name, Barbara Morgan Gardner. Thank you so much, Barbara. Um, she wrote this book and she was talking about how that's actually incorrect. The priesthood is not people. Like you don't call people the priesthood. The priesthood is this the structural organization in the church by which we call you know, deacons, teachers, priests, elders, high priests, that sort of a thing. That's the yeah. priesthood. Elder right. Dallin H. Oaks, I would, you know, I've been re-listening to conference because it was so good. Um, he just said that exact thing. And I actually, it stood out to me because he said it so strongly. Yeah. Do, do, we do not address the men as the priesthood. They hold the, he was like very strong about it. So yeah. Yes. Thank you for that. There's just and little cultural things that we just let slip. We don't realize. And so like about women or about the priest, I mean, you just kind of let it like, oh yeah, the priesthood thinks the priesthood, you know, you don't really you don't realize, and now I love that we're becoming to this awareness of, hey, let's realize, let's fine tune. If we're going to become Zion, let's fine tune. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, totally. And and it's if if any of you or anyone you know has ever called it that, it's okay. I probably said it too. I mean, it's yeah, it's just a very cultural thing. But I love how the church is getting more specific in a lot of things. They're getting more specific in the name of our church, right? They're differentiating. I love how you said fine-tune. They're fine-tuning it. Could we could we be called the Mormon church? Sure. But it's not really the church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. And the priesthood, as it relates to the church, is the organization of the church. It is not the men, right? Nor is it just the women. And so... Um, one other point that she makes that really helped me understand the concept of the priesthood. The priesthood can be understood in a, in a couple different ways. Number one, like you would say the earth. If I said to you, the earth is this, you know, you might think of the entire round sphere of the earth that is, you know, circling through the galaxy, you know, that is the earth, right? But if I also picked up a handful of dirt and showed it to you and said, this is the earth, you would also agree. That is also the earth, right? And so when we talk about the priesthood as a whole, like a large, it is the power of God. It is the giant, enormous force of God, right? And the priesthood is also can be known as a handful of dirt. The priesthood can also organize the church in a way that creates order and clarity, you know, in the organization of the church. But I think it's important to understand that the priesthood of God, as it governs his people and his way, is actually the, um, I really want to remember the word. It's the family priesthood, though. It is belonging to the family of God. So when God reigns on the earth, it will be his large 
priesthood power that reigns over everybody, not necessarily like the structural have to go through that church way um, when God is on the earth. So that's from Barbara's book. And I thought it was a great understanding. A lot of her book is simple and clear. And I think it's a wonderful way to start um, with a lot of quotes from the apostles and the prophets and, you know, scriptures. She just does a great job organizing it in a, in a simple, clear way. And I think it's a great companion to when, when I was deciding to, you know, read into all of this, I really felt, you know, I prayed a lot and I told heavenly father, I, I here's what I said. I don't want to go crazy. Okay. I don't want to go off on some deep end where I'm going to go weird and people aren't going to be able to listen to me because I'm going to be talking about stuff that is so far off the beaten path of, of comfort and understanding that it won't be received. It was important to me that I could receive it with the spirit and that others could receive it with the spirit. And so I was guided to, you know, read the gospel of the beloved companion. Um, also read the Bible along with the books, you know, like the lineage of grace and things like that. And also to get some books from Deseret Book, from, from, you know, church authors who are just staying within the bounds of what apostles and prophets have taught us in the last 200 years, you know? And so I think the study and understanding of this is, it's very comprehensive. It's very, you know, you have to keep the spirit with you and, um, follow those who are also following Jesus Christ. I think that's really the most important part. Yeah, I agree. I love that. I think you wrapped it up really nicely in the sense of um, just staying with the spirit and what are you meant to learn? And I will tell you for, for me, I feel very drawn. And if you guys do too, we're going to have so much fun on this series, but to, to really understand women's role in the priesthood, women's role in the gospel as it relates to me and us in the last days. Like it's so crucial right now. And I am done feeling or having, taking on anything that from society and family generations or, you know, cultural traditions of women being less than or, or feeling like worth, like less, you know, um, worthless or whatever it is. It's just, it's, I don't want that energy at all a part of me. And it doesn't need to exist within us, especially as daughters of Zion and sisters of Zion. And I feel strongly that, I mean, if you think about it, what is our purpose in life, right? We can say a whole bunch of different things, but if you really think about, go down to the very core of it. And as a therapist, I, I've done therapy for years and we have all these different modalities, all these different things we work on. And it didn't take me very long to figure out, you know what? All these modalities are great, but let me tell you what the core and this is all my therapy was focused on this one core thing and it took care of all of the problems and it's self-worth. It was no matter what I was dealing with, no matter what anger, no matter what, you know, kids with trauma, it still all comes back down to self-worth. And I love that about thinking of it in this way, our mission in life, our entire purpose of being here is to believe in our worth and our potential because that is how you become a God. If we do that, then it takes care of so many other amazing things. And so as I'm studying this, part of that is as women, as women in the gospel, as women in general, we have to not only just believe in our own self-worth as a child, but as a woman, what is that power? Embracing that power, that divine feminine 
uh, like creation that we are and that we can become um, to bring in Zion. So I'm, I'm excited in these books. So I'll go over them again. If you guys are interested in getting any of them, I would say whichever one sticks out in your mind, start there because that's how the spirit speaks to you, right? It'll, you'll remember it and you'll be like, what was the other one? That's okay. It's not time. <laughs> and you can just go along the journey with us as we're sharing stuff we've been reading for quite a few years. But book number one is A Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers that we mentioned. Um, the Standard of Truth, there's two novels out that have lots of women in the gospel, the pioneers. We talked about the gospel of the beloved companion. That's uh, the gospel um, written by Mary Magdalene. And we talked- say the, Do you have the author of that one? Because I know there was a- Which one? There was the gospel of the beloved companion. Yes, I will we grab that. Amazon. And then and if you'll tell- Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go grab it. And if, okay. uh, what's the other one that you said by Barbara Morgan Gardner? Oh yeah. 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 Women in the priesthood, uh, by Barbara Morgan Gardner and, or women in the priesthood by Sherry Dew. They're actually, um, both with the same title. And, uh, I just decided to get the one from Barbara, uh, Morgan. Looks Gardner. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think they're both good. They both had great reviews and everything. So, and this one is, the Gospel of the Beloved Companion, and it's by Jihan Dekillian. You might not remember that, but it's J-E-H, Jihan, um, H-A-N-N-E, and then Dekillian is Q-U-I-L-L-A-N. And we'll go more into what these are. So if it's not like, you know, you don't have to get them right away. Um, we're going to pull, like we said, I love that scripture and um, that you read in the beginning with the Doctrine of Covenants is reading everything, including the Bible, including some things with, you know, the church history. You have to read it with the spirit Yeah, too. And there, when I read the, you know, first started reading the standard of truth, you know, the, the pioneers, I was like, this is our church. <laughs> Remember we had an episode on this, but again, um, reading things on, with the spirit helps you discern and understand the, the times, um, maybe faulty you know, representation of things. It doesn't matter, but it helps you understand and get what you need out of it. So, so yeah. I'm excited. We're, we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll start um, this next week of uh, rolling out some fun stories of women in the gospel and just embracing. I want to say one thing that's real. it's like coming to my mind over and over. So I feel like I want to yeah. say, you know, the time is now. And Danielle, you sent me something by the video of the woman who is talking about the end of days and a lot of scriptures that are related to the end of days. And I'm glad you brought that up. One of the things that is written in the scriptures is talking about the veil over women um, and the veil and what is a veil and why do we have a veil? And I just want you to think about this. Um, I believe that traditionally Satan has created women in veils to somehow make it seem like women are weak or men are weak so they can't see women or whatever it is. Like there's a lot of negative connotation when you see a woman like wearing a veil, you're like, oh, that poor woman or go ahead. Yeah, no, I love what you're going. And I want to, before you, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and I want you to think about this when you're at a wedding and they, and, and, and even when you're watching a movie on a wedding and you unveil the woman, what's the response? What do you feel when you see that woman? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, instant. wow. Yeah. 
adoration, love, light, it's beauty. It's just the most beautiful image that you could have. Thank you for that. And so just think about women becoming unveiled and what that looks like for us, you know, within, you know, our temples and our, our worship, our places of worship. And um, as, as I looked into this a little bit further, I, I started to understand through the scriptures that, for example, when Moses came down um, from speaking with God, he actually had to wear a veil because the, the power and the light under, you know, that was on his face and his countenance was so strong that people could not look upon it. And so there are numerous accounts in the scriptures that actually teach us different, that what they're showing us is that what is veiled is sacred. What is veiled is actually so powerful that most people are not even ready to see it. So just think about that now as we become unveiled and as our power begins to shine forth, as we are invited and welcomed by our prophet, President Russell M. Nielsen, to learn more about our femininity, about our priesthood power, about all of it, it's all coming forth. And we're excited to dive into the history of women and, and really just have this amazing discussion with all of you. And it's going to be amazing. So I love that you ended on that note. That's so beautiful. And I do, I, I love, I just want to reiterate that invite to invite you to think about why we unveiled ourselves, why that change actually happened in the temple. And I just want to reiterate, it's time for women's power to come forth. And I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks you guys. So it was so wonderful to be on with you on the podcast. We will see you uh, next time. And we'll be diving into this Series two, Women in the Gospel. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Yeah.